The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. One thing about evil, it's not stupid. It relies on our unwillingness to believe. It relies on our unwillingness to act. And it will use everything we create for its own means. Today we flip the coin a little bit as I take you back inside the winter residence. But before I do, of course, I must warn you that this podcast can contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and of course that naughty, salty language we all know and love. Now, as one should do on a tentacle Tuesday, you should grab your popcorn, cuddle in with a pet or a plushie, maybe even a loved one or two, as we descend into the darkness and chapter 17, Trapped. Darkness enfolded in darkness, as the fabric of our world is torn asunder by selfish deeds, leaving humans to be overshadowed, overshadowed by monstrosities, until finally Eglantros himself now crawled forth, creating a bridge so that the house now acted like a beachhead in war, allowing them in secret to gain a foothold here. And it was here, in this growing void, that Eglantros waited. Waited for what seemed so long, like a deep dream that one can smell, taste, but not quite reach. He waited, and now, as he spied down out of the house, he was so close. So close to manifestation, it hurt. Drool rolled down his cheek into a puddle on the floor, for he was hungry. So very, very hungry. Sure, he had eaten those two cops, but that detective had left him with a bad taste in his mouth. Pity, too. He would have loved Stevens to have seen his body filleted into only the bones hung there, a remnant of the useless man he had been in life, but... Eclantros clenched his stomach. Even the thought of that nasty man made his stomach hurt. He was briefly startled as an icy hand caressed his gnarled face, offering him not comfort or love, just a pale imitation of those things that humans would do, things that monsters would imitate before a huge moment. As a mockery? Perhaps. Perhaps because of a latent memory of what they used to be. Leaning his face against the bony structure of those fingers, he took it with his own massive claw and held onto it. Look at the mother, he said. Lost little lambs prepared to be slaughtered. <laughs> Cassandra leaned over his shoulder and peered down at them. She could see the look of defeat written all over Jonah's stance. Indeed, my child, she said with almost a slither to her movements. How feeble they are. I am still amazed that he sees such value in such insects. Then she frowned. We seem to be short one fool. Eclantus recounted the men below. Stevens is not amongst them. How? It matters not, my love. My little Nicole has ended that accursed bloodline, and no one will ever wield the power of that cursed sword again. 
Eclantus growled at even the mention of the Aeos Delection. For although Cassandra had not named it directly, it was that sword that Jack had used to banish him to the waste. Foul thing that it is! If only we could destroy it as easily as we did his descendants. And soon, Cassandra added, with the death of the Demon Eater, he will be forced to acquiesce, and this world will be ours. And I will rule, right, Mother? Eglantros asked. Of course, child. It was a lie, of course. Eglantros, Nicole, and the nameless things in the void were only tools, and once they had outlived their usefulness, they would be disposed of without regard. Even her own existence mattered not. In the end, this world was meant for Ekmalak alone, and an expansion of the vast waste. It was his, and one day all creation would bend under his will. He, and only he, should rule. Rule an endless void of pain and despair. The small group below began to disperse. You should prepare yourself, beloved. Jonah will soon cast those accursed tools of the word to attempt to bind you. And you, mother? Eglantros questioned. I will wait here, she replied, to ensure your victory. Cassandra eyed the group with suspicion. That Stephen's whelp should have been amongst them. Nicole was to have killed his wife and child without his knowledge, and he should have died here in vain. She tried to reach across the darkness. Eclantros noticed that as she placed her hand on her head as if in pain. What is it, mother? Nothing. As I told you, prepare yourself for a look. John had raised his hand in the air and tossed a marker into place. It made a humming noise, as if it was singing. Foul! Foul noise! Eclantros complained. Cassandra didn't like it either, but that wasn't her concern. Every time she tried to reach out to Nicole, she kept seeing a hooded man in a brown robe staring back at her. Who was he? Eclantros moved down the stairs and into the hallway. The shadows of what had been Ben, Lindsay, Grace, and the officers joined him, but still no Moran. He had never manifested the way the others had. Jonah was now directly behind the house when he called out, Peter! And again, with a noise that could be mistaken as a shout of joy and praise, rang through the air, making Eglantros and his puppets feel sick. Make it stop! They pleaded with him. At the top of the circle stood an elderly black man whom Eglantros surmised was the chief. On the quarter mark stood a pudgy short man with suspenders with an air of distinction and taking up behind Jonah a tall man with a white shirt, tie, and glasses. Each man radiated a splendor different from the markers that Jonah was placing. Jonah now moved to where he expected Stevens to have stood, holding forth what seemed to glow like liquid metal, and then he called out, John! With that, the barrier came to life. An arc of electricity pulsed around, dancing the way David had done before the arc. It disgusted Eglantros. But as Mother promised, the barrier was not as it should be. Short a man, Jonah could not bring forth his complete power. Yet, something troubled Eglantros. Something he couldn't quite figure out. Eglantros felt a tugging sensation, the pull of a circle. 
covering his ears, he cursed and screamed as the sound became too much. He stepped forth out of the shadows and into the center of the circle Jonah had created. With that, Jonah let John drop and moved into the center of the circle. He would need to be the linchpin to ground and hold at Glantros. He looked up briefly to see Cassandra sneering from the window. Trapped in his own trap, it was now only a matter of time. Detective Stevens arrived at the hospital and was immediately greeted by the family doctor, Dr. Reincliffe. I came as soon as I got your call, he said to Warren. Thanks, Doc. What happened? he asked. I have no idea, Warren replied. I found her like this. The doctor placed his hand on her flushed face. She's running a high fever. Turning to a nearby nurse, he called for a wheelchair. A minute later, an orderly had Karen in a chair and was hightailing it to the trauma center. Do you really think they'll be okay? Warren knew it wouldn't be a simple answer. The doctor probably couldn't answer that until he got a good look, but he had to ask. As expected, the doctor shook his head. As I'm sure you've already figured, I won't be able to tell until I've had a good look. Placing his hand on Warren's shoulder, he pointed down the hall. Go to my personal office and get comfortable. I know better than having you wait with the others. Are you sure? He gave Warren a look. He was sure. Warren would drive everyone else crazy while waiting for any word on Karen. He'd actually be doing the other patients and visitors a favor. When the doctor arrived in the ER, they had already hooked up several monitors on Karen and were in the process of doing a sonogram to check on the status of Jack. Heart rate's viable, doctor, but weak. Jack was alive. Okay, we're going to need to... Dr. Reincliffe, look at this, the nurse called over. The sonogram showed a massive tissue near Jack. It was as if Karen's insides had been scrambled. Good God, he mumbled. It was as if someone was trying to do a hysterectomy while Jack was still inside her. We're going to have to remove the baby now, the doctor stated. With that, the surgery to save both mother and son began. Warren sat down behind the desk and computer monitor and heard a crumple sound, like paper being crushed. What the? He got up and checked his pockets. It was the letter from Jack Stevens, his grandfather. He had completely forgotten about it. Opening it, he began to read it. Hello, Warren. I presume I will be long gone by the time you read this. By now, you should know about my unique history, and because of that, I wanted to offer some advice. First, keep a low profile. Don't tell people about me or about your gift. Two, toss that smartphone. Keep it simple. They will use your advanced technology to track you, mislead you, and if they can, hurt you so. Lastly, congratulations on becoming a father. It's the best, most challenging thing you can be. I know it may seem strange that I know some unusual things, but I've lived long enough and I have seen some things even I can't believe. My love to you, your wife Karen, and little Jack. And remember to treasure every day you have with them, for nothing lasts forever. It was signed with a big cursive J. Huh. He knew about this. How? And what does he mean by nothing lasts forever? He presumed that with his job, his gift, and the exposure to true evil, 
he probably wouldn't live to a ripe old age. Okay, Grandpa. I'll take good measure in those things. He folded the letter and put it back in his pocket. The clock on the wall chimed, and he looked up at the hour. By now, Jonah and his friends would be at their winter residence, taking on a demon. A demon. He thought about that. How do humans fight against these monsters? Even with his gift. Even with a man, or he should say, creation like Jonah. How? When he was done with this case, he would need to dig deeper. That would mean returning to the cottage. Could he? The last time he was up there, he wound up, well, here, in the hospital. He thought about Terrence White. He knew Jack and worked with Jonah. Maybe. The more he thought on it, the more he relaxed, until finally, he fell asleep. Several hours passed when he found himself being shaken awake. Warren! Warren! It was Dr. Reincliffe. Doctor, he sat up quickly. How is she? How is... She's sleeping, and... And? He handed him a cigar. Congratulations! You're the father of a six-pound, five-ounce baby boy. Little Jack had made it, too. A bright smile crossed his face, and the doctor poured him a drink and lit his cigar. Now, we need to talk about Karen. Why? What's wrong? She had severe trauma to her uterus and ovaries. How? I don't know. It was as if someone had reached inside her and started ripping them out. Oh, God. Warren, if you had gotten here any later, both of them would have died. That being said, they're both alive and they'll be fine. But Karen will never have children again. The news hit Warren hard. They had planned to have at least three. Now. Does she know? Not yet. She's out cold. It will be a few hours before she awakens. And Jack? When you're finished with that drink and cigar, we can go and meet him. Warren put the cigar out and down the drink and put the glass down. I can smoke one of these any times, Doc. Let's go meet my son. Karen stirred to someone singing softly. Trying to turn to see who was singing, intense pain made her groan, and immediately the singing stopped. Karen? It was Warren. Hey. Hey, she responded. Don't try to turn. They had to do some extensive surgery. Did Jack? Yes. Yes. Hold on. He walked over and placed a small bundle in her arms. Jack? Meet Mommy. Mommy. Meet Jack. Tears poured down her face. Oh, hello. The baby cooed in her arms. He's beautiful. So are you, he replied. For this brief moment, it felt as if the world stopped. There was no impending evil, no monsters or demons, just him, Karen, and little Jack. This was truly heaven. A happy moment for the Stevens. And as we know, these happy moments don't last. For as Karen and Warren meet baby Jack, Jonah gets ready to meet Iglantros, Cassandra, and her minions. Please tune in again next week for Chapter 18, Trapped, Part 2.